Welcome in to Farscast. Farzi Masugan here with you. Hope you guys enjoyed Wild Card Weekend. Or at least the good one, the good games that were out there. Not the most exciting uh, slate of games uh, that took place over the weekend. But hey, I mean, look, first world problems, right? Uh, not, 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 not much you can really complain about. Uh, football's football at the end of the day. There were two good games uh, that came down to the wire. I'll talk about those. I'll actually uh, briefly go over all six games and give you guys my pick, uh, my picks rather, for the divisional round. And also, I uh, want to talk a little bit of UFC 270. Also excited because after all of that, we're going to bring in Matt Derrick, the uh, Chiefs reporter for ChiefsDigest.com, also the author of two books, uh, uh, Showtime and Finally. Uh, really, really great guy. Uh, Matt's been on this podcast a couple of times. He was on my Chiefs podcast as well. Really nice guy. I've connected with him. He's been a great resource to me. Uh, always uh, willing to answer any of my questions anytime I reach out to him, uh, whether it's football-related, journalism-related, whatever, just anything that uh, piques my curiosity. So uh, Matt's always been a great guy, a uh, really nice guy, uh, and also does a great job uh, covering the Chiefs and uh, author of a couple of books. So obviously he's uh, got some uh, – you know what's funny? Uh He's got a lot going for him. He really does. I remember when uh, Mahomes was rising. Uh, I mean, he had, he had that fast rise. His books were on the... I mean, they, they were set up on a table right by the entrance of all these grocery stores, bookstores, wherever. And then when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, you saw his book again at the front of all these stores... Uh, and he published it so freaking fast. Uh, did a fantastic job with that. Uh, so Matt's awesome. We're going to be uh, broadcasting the uh, next segment when he joins us live on my Facebook page. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast version, uh, if you if the audio sounds a bit off uh, or a little different, I should say, and if you notice any interactions with uh, any followers, that will uh, that will be why. So. That'll be coming up in just a few minutes. Real quickly, I did talk about this last podcast because we had the playoff roundtable and uh, it was just going to take too long, especially if we had five people all commenting on this. Uh, I I did want to bring up the death of Bob Saget because we did not touch on that last podcast. Melody McAllister, a fantastic person and a good friend of mine, uh, author and uh, teacher as well. She was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and we discussed the deaths of John Madden and Betty White, man, we, we're losing some, uh, listen, anytime you lose a celebrity, uh, they're a celebrity for a reason. They did some good in their, uh, in their industries, but more recently, uh, you look at John Madden, you look at Betty White, Sidney Potier just recently and, and Bob Saget. I mean, we're losing some pioneers, some, some, some key people in their industries, uh, you know, I'm not going to get too, too much into Bob Saget because I think a lot of people have uh, shared a lot of stories, uh, what, what Saget means to them. Obviously, part of one of the most successful shows in the history of television with Full House and also uh, very memorable uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned the story when Melody was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, when my family and I first moved to the United States, I was very young. Uh, obviously, they didn't have a lot of money and my parents. My mom would often watch Golden Girls, and that helped her a lot with her English. And I mentioned that story. For me personally, uh, I mean, watching kids shows, uh, you know, the the, the typical PBS shows, I mean, obviously that helped. Uh, I watched that for a couple of years because even though I I watch it from 
kindergarten, first grade, that's kind of the age where kids get away from that stuff. But for me, I kept watching that because it really helped me with my English. But in terms of non-kids programs, I watch Full House a lot. I love that show. I still do. Uh, And I was so ecstatic when they brought back Fuller House, like a lot of people. And I still remember watching a lot of Full House, and that helped me with my English back in the day. So uh, very sad, of course, to hear the death of Bob Saget uh, and so many great legends in uh, recent memory, people who've made a mark, who've done things that have never been done before. Um, So, uh, And it's so crazy. Saget just did uh, a couple um, couple of comedy shows, and he posted on Instagram saying he's going to, quote, keep doing this shit because he's addicted to it. And then, of course, you know, 24 hours later, uh, we hear the news. Uh, so sad. So uh, prayers up to uh, Bob Saget uh, and his family. Uh, very sad news. Uh, obviously lost a, uh, a legend in, uh, in the world. With that said, we got to move on, uh, make the transition to the NFL, recapping Wild Card Weekend. Uh, you know, not the most interesting weekend. There were some, uh, there were a couple of uh, interesting games. I'm just going to go down the line in order. The first game, to me, this was the one that, uh, you know, I was intrigued by because both the Raiders and the Bengals had not won a playoff game in forever. For the Raiders, it's been 19 years. No Raiders fan has been able to post on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter that their team won a playoff game, have yet to do that. Bengals fans can now send a text message saying they won a playoff game. They had not won a playoff game in 31 years, and now they can finally say they they have won. Uh, Look, I I, I love these kinds of stories. You know, as a Chiefs fan, I watched my team, what was it, 22 years to win a, uh, it took them to win a playoff game, 24 years to win a playoff game at home. So, man, the struggle has been real. I get it as a Chiefs fan, 24-25, I don't remember. But uh, the Bengals had a fairly easy time. The Raiders quietly came back into, into the game, but the Bengals were able to hold them off. Let me just say something right now because I know the Raiders are cleaning house with Mayock Gunn and Bisaccia likely not not going to be the interim, which is, or excuse me, the, the full-time head coach, which is interesting with everything you dealt with this year with the Raiders and you got to the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. I was a little surprised by that. Uh, it, it has not been an easy year for the Raiders whatsoever. Uh, but, but, but Derek Carr, man, you gotta, you gotta let him go. I know he threw for a lot of passing yards this year. Uh, look, I think his best years are behind him. 2015, Great year for Derek Carr. 2016, another great year. And in my opinion, I think he wins MVP that year if he doesn't get hurt at the end of the season. And him getting hurt opened the door for the Chiefs to get back in and take the AFC West from the Raiders. So, look, Derek Carr's done some good things there for the Raiders. But at some point, it's like, okay, it was kind of like Alex Smith in Kansas City. Like, Alex Smith did a lot of good things in Kansas City, but there was a ceiling. Like, you're not going to reach a certain point with Alex Smith, and that's why they drafted Patrick Mahomes, and look at the results now. There's a reason that has been working. The Raiders have got to look for a new quarterback this year, and I know there are rumors about Jim Harbaugh possibly going there. Man, that would be a massive upgrade. Not going to say it's it's not, so... Uh, nonetheless, the Bengals did win. They are moving on to play the Titans. Very excited to see that matchup. This was the one I was looking forward to the most, the Bills and the Patriots. And boy, this got out of hand real fast. I, like the only highlight of this game 
was the blocked field goal, the blocked PAT the uh, Patriots got in the th- uh, second quarter. Uh, l- listen, Mac Jones, he did what he could. I mean, he had to deal with drops and tip passes. Um, who was the pass catcher for the Patriots? He had a couple of touchdowns in this game. Uh, I'm not going to pull it up. It's not really relevant. Uh, but the Patriots found a way, or excuse me, the Bills found a way to dominate. They scored on all seven drives except for their last drive. The only third down stop, if you can really call it a stop, the Patriots had on third down was when Mitchell Trubisky took a kneel down at the end of the game. Uh, so your only third down stop, statistically speaking, was a quarterback kneel. So obviously never got an actual uh, defensive stop uh, on third down in this game. Uh, Sunday's wild card slate of games. Yeah, three of them, all fairly boring. The Buccaneers blew out the Eagles. The Eagles got a couple of touchdowns and garbage time late in the game. The 49ers and the Cowboys, okay, this is the one that's been talked about the most. Uh, Listen, the Cowboys are lucky they even had an opportunity because that was very close, the first down, and then they reviewed it, pushed it back. Garoppolo ran for the first down on the sneak, but there was a penalty there, so they had to punt it back to the Cowboys. Listen, let me just say something. I don't have a problem with, what was it, 12 or 13 seconds left, that play the Cowboys ran. I don't have an issue with that at all. I actually thought it was a smart move because if you try to come up with a play, if you look pre-snap, the 49ers were guarding the lines perfectly. Uh, So I think that was the right move, the right play call and the right move for Prescott to do what he did. The problem is this. You got to have a – listen, there is something called football IQ. That is – not omitted when you talk to general managers, head coaches, scouts. All right, uh, you know I, I've talked to several of them over the years, and football IQ is a real thing. Uh, that came into play on that. If you can really, I, I was going to say final play of the game, but a play never really actually happened. I get it, adrenaline rush. You know, you're trying to hurry the hell up. Time's running out. It's it's do or die essentially. But you gotta know the damn rules, and Dak Prescott didn't. Don't hand the ball to your center. Hand it to the referee or the umpire. You know he's got to place the ball and then move the hell out of the way. And listen, they know the situation, so they're taught to hurry up in these situations. But you cannot give it to your center and then bump into the ref and expect that things are going to go your way. So this is this is not on the referees, man. The Dallas Cowboys scored 17 points at home. How about you start blaming the fact that you didn't show up at home in front of your crowd? Did you guys see the video when they opened the doors? There were a lot more people in 49ers apparel than Cowboys apparel. And then you saw that carry over into the stands. So I don't know if we can really call the Cowboys the, uh, the America's team anymore. Not to mention the Chiefs have honestly been dominating the ratings the past two seasons when it comes to viewers, viewerships uh, for their games. Uh, They've been involved in a lot of uh, the the top 10 most viewed televised events last year. Nine of them were NFL games, and the Chiefs were part of that five times, including a regular season game between the Chiefs and the Cowboys. And that was a non-primetime game. 
So making it even more impressive that they, and listen, I get it, Cowboys, they're so popular, I get that. But the Chiefs have been on the list so many times, uh, and now they're getting non-primetime games as among some of the most viewed televised events in 2021. I said 2020, I might say 2021. By the way, how about that boycott working out real well uh, the last two years? Uh, I, I shared that on my Facebook and Twitter pages. Uh, you see the uh, the number of people just uh, just watching football games. Uh, it's among the most televised events. The only event that was non-football related that was televised in uh, 2021 was the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And then right behind... There were a couple of other non-sporting events. One of them was a January 6th coverage. So, uh, interesting uh, stats there. I'll let you guys look up the uh, the rest of the list there. Chief Steelers, obviously my team, uh, I mean, listen, uh, got off to a wacky slow start uh, for the Chiefs. But then they picked it up and uh, got things going. So, uh, just flat-out domination. I know this one was probably one that got a lot of attention as well because it could have been Roethlisberger's last game, which it ended up being the case. Uh Listen, I mentioned this on my live stream after the game. A couple of people wanted to know what are my thoughts on Roethlisberger's career. I think Roethlisberger has done some good in his career. Won two Super Bowls with different head coaches. Um, obviously had his off-the-field incident, uh, the allegation that, you know, it's part of his story. Um, you know, when you tell the story of Kobe Bryant, you cannot omit the um, the uh, sexual harassment allegation. You, you can't. Uh, or the rape allegation, I should say, more accurately. So... A lot of these, uh, a lot of times like this, you know, you reflect and you look at Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger's done some good. He's obviously stayed there his entire career, assuming he retires. I mean, it's more than likely. But, hey, you want a pair of Super Bowls. That's more than uh, a lot of quarterbacks can say. Youngest quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. Mahomes came very close. If it wasn't for the D4 offsides or the bad defense or the shutdown in the first half, Mahomes could have been that guy. But, nope, not the case. Uh but Mahomes, one of the younger guys to win a, a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. Uh, Monday night, I mean, look, another bore fest, uh, which I was disappointed because I was really pulling for the Cardinals, but it didn't go their way at all. The Rams took care of business. I mean, they got off to a great start and just took care of the, the Cardinals uh, from start to finish. Uh, so that's your uh, wild card weekend. Not as wild as uh, many of us would have liked to uh, have seen. Divisional round picks, uh let me pull that up real quickly. Four games. A lot of people are excited for this weekend, and I think there's maybe some hype because the slate of games this past weekend, not too good. Bengals-Titans, listen, if even without Derrick Henry, I'm still picking the Titans, but if Derrick Henry returns to his elite form, boy, the Titans are, uh, are a threat. They really are, regardless who they play in the AFC Championship game. I think it's going to be a good game. I, I think it's going to be close until late in the game. The Titans will pull away. Got the Titans winning this one. 49ers-Packers. Boy, uh, I think this is going to be a lot harder than people think. I think the 49ers present some challenges defensively. But it's so hard to pick against Aaron Rodgers, even though he has fell in the NFC Championship game twice. This is not the NFC Championship game, to be clear. But I still think in the end, you cannot pick against Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going with the Packers there. Bills, Chiefs, uh, both teams dominated. The Bills were very consistent, and Josh Allen has been playing great lately. They obviously routed the Chiefs earlier this year, but that was in September or October. I can't remember which. It was too early. A lot has happened since then. The Chiefs have improved, but they're not playing their consistent football still. That's still the issue with the Chiefs right now. 
Boy, this is going to be close. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think the Chiefs pull away in the end. But, man, you got to have a flawless game if you're Kansas City. If Kansas City doesn't have a near-flawless game, it might go to Buffalo. But I, I think it's going to go to Kansas City, and I think this is going to be the most entertaining game of the weekend. rams Bucks. Uh, another good game uh, that'll take place this weekend, but I'm going to go with the Buccaneers on this one. I, I mean, look, you, you just can't pick against uh, Brady in that uh, high-powered offense right now. Hasn't been perfect. Uh, nothing has been, but still cannot pick against the uh, the Buccaneers at the end of the day. Going with the home team, so we'll see how that pans out. Uh, UFC 270, that'll take place this weekend. Two title fights. The main event, Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gagne. Uh... And Gano's a beast. I mean, everyone knows that. Gagne's no joke, though. He's undefeated at 10-0. He's beaten some uh, some good names since December of 2020. JDS, Rosenstruck, Alexander Volkov, Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, and still has found a way to remain undefeated and has the interim belt. Francis Ngannou, I, I mean, his resume speaks for itself. I know he slipped a little bit in back-to-back fights, but he found a way to rise back to the top and... Found a way to just destroy Stipe Miocic the second time. Wasn't even close to the first fight. Uh, unfortunately, as soon as Nganu gets his belt, there's all this drama with the UFC. An interim title belt comes out of nowhere, and now we hear about contract uh, negotiations, big disagreements, I guess. Uh, Nganu's not happy, and it seems like he is on his way out, regardless of the outcome here, which is sad because I like Nganu, and he was... He just won the belt, too, uh, this past year. And this is going to be his first title defense. It's going to be a unification bout, to be accurate. But, uh, I listen, the UFC's had, they figured it out at times. They've done it with Conor McGregor. They've done it with the Diaz brothers. Uh, several other fighters out there. Bisping, Covington. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully, cooler heads prevail. But Ngannou seems like he is uh, pretty much determined to uh, leave the UFC. And, hey, if he wants to, good on him. There are... Other organizations out there, there's obviously Bellator, PFL, wherever you want to go. Uh, I mean, look, PFL, you want to make a million dollars? I suppose the competition might be in strongly in favor of Nganu uh, if he goes to PFL, and that's uh, one way to earn his uh, million dollars there. Co-main event, I'm a huge fan of Brandon Moreno. Uh, I was pulling him for him both times. He fought Deverson Figueredo. This is going to be the third time they're fighting. First one was a draw. A big reason for that was because the Figueredo penalized at one point. Points were taken away, and that forced a draw. Second time, Moreno destroyed Figueredo in the second round, pulling away with the submission win. Now they are doing the trilogy, which is going to be a lot of fun. Man, people thought that when Demetrius Johnson left, and I'm a huge fan of Demetrius Johnson, and I'm so bummed out he they didn't let him stay. Uh, they couldn't figure it out. Uh, but, you know, going back to Ngannou's point, uh, you know, sometimes it, it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But Moreno is a very talented flyweight. I was a big fan of his ever since he was on The Ultimate Fighter. And to see him where he is now, not really surprising to me one bit. Um, the guy's very versatile in that flyweight division. I mean, he can do some things that you haven't seen before. So it's very good to see him on top and now defending the title for the first time against Figueredo. I'm going to go with Moreno on this one. Now I'm going to go with Ngannou. Uh, I think Ngannou's going to get the knockout win, and I think Moreno's going to pull away with a decision on this one. Real quickly, I do want to talk about Amanda Nunes, who suffered one of the biggest uh, defeats, upsets in MMA history. Some would call it the biggest. She just left her camp at American Top Team in uh, in Coconut Creek, Florida, one of the biggest gyms in MMA, the biggest gym in MMA. 
I don't know what it is. I know th- this was a thing with Canelo when he lost one fight. Everyone wanted him to change coaches. Uh, I know when um, when Joanna Jonjejic changed coaches, she has struggled since she has been 0-4 in title fights ever since she changed coaches. Amanda Nunes not just wants to change coaches, she wants her own gym. Man, I'm telling you right now, I hope it works out for her. I really do. But for Amanda Nunes, I mean, you want to run a gym, you want to worry about gym memberships and coaches, having a great coaching staff, all these things. I don't know if this is really the time for that, especially when you got to focus on your upcoming rematch, which is, I mean, you would have to imagine a rematch is coming. So we'll see how that pans out. But man, I really hope Amanda Nunes, she's got a good staff in play. It's not cheap. It is not. I mean, unless you're content with a very, very small gym. I mean, look, she's Amanda Nunes. She, she's capable of having a big name gym, but it's not easy to run just because you are a big name. So I don't know what's going to happen with Amanda Nunes. We'll see. But um, I thought that was a very intriguing story in the uh, world of MMA. So we'll see how that goes for her. I'll be honest. I don't. I, I was willing to put down money on Amanda Nunes to win the rematch, but now if I had to put down money, I don't know if I'm so uh, if I'm so confident now. I mean, she's a mother as well too. Don't forget that. So she's she's putting a lot on her plate with a more than likely rematch coming up uh, ahead of her. That's a that's a bit much. And she even said, "I got to figure my shit. I got I got to get get my shit together." So I don't know what Amanda Nunes is seeking, what she's going to get out of this, but hopefully in the end, it does pan out in her favor. I'm a huge Amanda Nunes fan. First UFC fight I watched, UFC 196. Obviously an epic night. I was impressed with Amanda Nunes that night, too. A couple months later, she got her title shot. She became world champion. Uh, Still is a champion in the featherweight division, but it's not as active as as we all know. So hopefully Amanda Nunes figures out what she needs to figure out and then uh, come back strong and be focused, because she is putting a lot on her plate ahead of this uh, ahead of this title match. So we'll see how that pans out for her. All right, gonna pause for just a moment. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. He is next. For those of you who are listening to the podcast version, it'll be archived. But for those of you who happen to have by now, you probably have heard the live version. It'll be streamed on my Facebook page. That's coming up next. All right, welcome back in to Farscast. We are broadcasting live on the Facebook page. For those of you guys listening to the podcast version, uh, audio might sound a little bit different. Shouldn't be too big of a deal, but nonetheless, uh, we are broadcasting on the Facebook page. So for those of you listening to us live on Facebook, much appreciated. Joining me right now, as you guys can see, uh, Matt Derrick, the uh, Chiefs reporter for ChiefsDigest.com, also the author of two books. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, and I always love talking to Matt. He's always been uh, a kind of me, uh, very generous with his time and, uh, coming back to the podcast now, Matt, how are you, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. It's always good to catch up with you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, there are a lot of good people in the media who cover the team and, and you're certainly up there. You're one of them, by the way, but before we get into the chiefs and all of that, I know you're uh, really big into Marvel and star Wars and all of that. <laughs> Is that an Obi-Wan Kenobi figure behind you? Um, yes. Um, oh, I think right behind me. Yeah. Is, <laughs> I'll move out of the way. You can see it without pulling over my microphone. 
Um, yes, that is a series of banks that are tied together um, from, from the Phantom Menace. So I've had those things like 20 years. Um, but yes, when the batteries are working, they like connect together so you can put a quarter in and then they all fight. So you can have the, you can have each of the banks individually, but I bought all three. And if you bought all three, you can connect them together. And yeah, they have a little lightsaber duel. So I am a complete and total dork. You know, uh, <laughs> it's funny because I'm into stuff like Marvel, Star Wars. Um, and I'm also, I don't know if you're familiar with the video game franchise, Final Fantasy. I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. And, you know, I don't have like figures of these kinds of things. And I was looking up Final Fantasy figures because I'm such a huge fan and they are hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. I'm like, wow. Like, <laughs> I mean, you got to be a very dedicated fan to have one of these things. Even my mom has, um, uh, she's a huge Game of Thrones fan. She has one of the characters. I've never seen the show. She keeps telling me I need to, but um, she has one. Even she's got a figure. Like, I'm the only one who doesn't have a figure of like these popular shows that, you know, so many people watch, but I suppose one of these days I'll uh, I'll jump on the bandwagon. I assume yours wasn't like too crazy expensive or anything. No, matter of fact, I bought those banks. Um, they were on sale. They were like on a clearance. So yeah, I got I got those for for a, a quite the little deal. But I mean, you know, it's, hey, it's the Zoom era, so I, yeah. I've got to have like some sort of background. So I kind of organized <laughs> this, and I say organized because I am not the world's cleanest person. So my my home office slash everything room. I mean, my Xbox 360 and PS4 is right here. Um, <laughs> my treadmill that I don't use often enough is over here. Um, but I just wanted to put as many like little, uh, you know, just little tiny things in the background to see if anybody would ever notice them. And you're actually the first person that's asked about anything in the background. And, <laughs> and most of everything that's back there, I mean, are, first of all, I mean, good. those are empty uh, coffee creamers with R2-D2 and Chewbacca. <laughs> I noticed that. Um, and also next to it is a box of the 1987 Fleer baseball card update, um, which I have solely because it has a Bo Jackson rookie card, base Royals card. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, yeah, there's a Star Wars Monopoly. You can see Salvador Perez, um, Hallmark figurine. Um, the All these binders over my shoulder are actually uh, Chiefs binders. Those are my, my archives of all my files from past seasons. Um, oh my gosh. You know, there's I have some Simpson stuff in here. Yeah, I've I've got all sorts of little, you know, just odd Easter eggs in my background. I've actually got a funny story to tell you. Uh when I interned for Sports Radio 810, and I know you um you uh you're a frequent guest on there. Um I remember uh they gave me a tour of the place. Have you ever been in the actual studios or do you only do phone interviews? Okay, yeah, so no, you, you've been, been there. I don't know if you've seen uh, Petro's office uh, where he is. He's downstairs where the studio's upstairs. Yeah. And there was a closet full of just like Lindy's Sports, Sports Illustrated, all these like all these magazines from years. And I remember they were asking me to clean something up one time. And I'm like, do you guys want me to clean this? This is from 1999. They're like, no, Petro will kill you if you touch any of that. I'm like, shit. Okay, no, no problem. I'll. I'll I will not touch that at all. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I've noticed that a lot of people do keep these kinds of files for years. I mean, what was the last time you touched any of those out of curiosity, if you don't mind me asking? Um, oh, my files? Um, yeah. Fairly recently, as a matter of fact. Oh, okay. 
Um, I mean, I keep anything that I ever got in paper, I put in my binders and keep them. So they're organized by, and the, one of the few things that I have organized, um, although I usually like wait until like the end of a season to, and I don't have them much anymore because honestly, I mean, the way things are anymore, everything's, I mean, I could probably put everything for an entire season um, that I have printed out on paper in one small binder now. Um, but most of these are like three binders for a season. And it's got all the injury reports, um, all the rosters, um, game notes, everything that I ever got through the entire season. So I'll go back there. Absolutely. I mean, I'll go back there and look at old notes that I wrote about players. Um, you know, if there's guys who were here before that just you come across my radar again, the people that pop back up, I'll go back and maybe look down and see what I wrote about them before or anything like that. And some notes that I've had. So yeah, I, I, I hit those and uh, the rosters I'll go back and look at every once in a while to kind of see, you know, maybe, uh, look for an old name. Um, I know not too long ago I was looking up because there was somebody that popped up on my radar that was um, at the, the the regional combine that the Chiefs hosted a couple of years ago. So I went looking at that and, and pulling up all the guys who were who were at that combine. Interesting stuff. Yeah, no, I can certainly understand. Yeah, making all those references because any, I mean, it's so easy to want to use ESPN or NFL.com, but they don't have everything. So, no, I can certainly understand you keeping all that on file and uh, and looking back. You know, we've talked about this once before. Um, what is it like covering the Chiefs on games? And I'm obviously referring pre-pandemic. Uh, I know some reporters are there in person, some are not. I know sometimes they do Zoom conferences. Every team does it differently. Uh, but pre-pandemic, you know, uh, l- let's just say it's a noon kickoff game. What is your day like? When do you get to the stadium and, and when do you when do you leave? Yeah, I, you know, it varies for everybody, um, especially, you know, whether you're TV, radio, writer, um, Internet. I mean, um, everybody's probably got some different expectations and of what they like to do. Um, I will, I typically like to be one of the, one of the more early arrivals. So, um, if it's a noon game, I mean, I'm trying to be there by eight 30. Um, if it's a, if it's a later game, I, you know, getting there about four, four and a half hours before the game is pretty typical for me. So, um, I think I was at the, for the game on Sunday, you know, about there about three, three fifteen. Um, for me, I mean, part of it is that I want to get there before the, the traffic gets really bad. You know, you can get better yeah. parking and, and get settled in. And I want to be able to just kind of um, see everything from the beginning. I mean, um, see when the players first start coming out, you can kind of get a lay of the landscape. Pre-pandemic, you know, um, I, you know, I didn't, I would typically, sometimes I would go down and, you know, and just network and try and catch up with people. I mean, obviously there's reporters from, um, other cities are coming in to cover the teams. Um, there's national reporters who are coming in town. It's an opportunity to just to, to meet people and talk to people. Um, nowadays, you don't get to move around as much in the stadium, or at least it's not as easy to do that. Yeah. Um, so you don't do as much of that. But for me, I, I like to just be able to get there early so I can get settled in. Um, you know, for me, you know, really once about, you know, 90 minutes before the game, when you go start to get in actives, I mean, then, and the players are coming out for, you know, warm ups about two hours before the game. I mean, that's when it really starts to get busy for me. Um, but I like to just be able to get there and get settled in, maybe have a bite to eat. And like I said, network, talk to people and kind of get a lay of the landscape before the game. What about after the game? When do you leave? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it used to be, especially, yeah, pre pandemic, um, you could pretty much stay until, um, the lights went out <laughs> and the Chiefs used to be really good. I mean, usually I, the, the lights didn't go off until like 
uh, three o'clock in the morning, you know. So, oh, wow. I mean, especially, especially if it was, hey, if it was a noon game, you could stay there forever. Um, but yeah, I would say typically for me, I mean, uh, gifts give you an indication for like Sunday night's game. I guess I got out of there, I think I left about 2 15. Um, oh my God. You know, it, it, var- it varies after each game. I mean, this year, um, I've been doing, um, uh, uh, appearing on, I've been doing a podcast and, and a radio hit post game. So I'm definitely there until I get those out of the way, which are usually at least, uh, about two and two and a half hours after the game. Um, in the past, you know, when I've had some writing deadlines and everything, yeah, I mean, it could be, it could be later. Um, I'm probably eh, near the end. I'm not usually the last one there. Um, I won't throw out, you know, is there anybody under the bus about who's the last person there? Maybe they don't want that out there. So I, I won't, I won't drag, them under, drag them under the bus with me. Um, but you know, actually, one of the funnier things in the, the modern era, this this wasn't a big deal a couple of years ago, but just because, like I said, I mean, I'm doing a podcast uh, now after the game and, and doing radio hits. Um, that's so prevalent now for, for the reporters that we're all jockeying for where we can go and set up to do our podcast. Yeah. So, uh, you know, um, after the games, um, everybody starts clearing out of the press box. So, but you don't want to be interrupting people who are writing and working and transcribing and everything. So you want to be able to go off and be someplace quiet. Um, so up in the press box area, they have different booths for all the different broadcast teams. So there's local radio, visiting radio, the national TV. Um, there's visiting Spanish radio, home Spanish radio. There's a couple of suites up there for you know guests and VIPs. There's the, the penthouse suite where, you know, there's some ticket holders on the far end and we all scatter, you know, trying to claim territory about where we can set up to have some privacy for doing our podcast. I wanted to ask you about the uh, AP voter because, and listen, I've done some beat writing before when I was a student journalist at KU. So I'm kind of familiar with the whole, th- I'm familiar with the landscape of it, but not to the full extent because it, it is student journalism at the end of the day. Uh, and then after that, I, I got a job with Bleacher Report and got to be a member of Pro Football Writers of America, which was cool because you got an opportunity to vote for the um, end of the year awards. And I know they the NFL values the AP vote uh, voting more than the uh, NFL PA. But I did want to ask you about the whole thing with the AP voter not wanting to vote for Aaron Rodgers uh, for personal reasons, because um, to me, like, even though, uh, I mean, listen, I know it's not easy to remove your bias with these kinds of things because you are a fan. We're all fans of the sport. But when it is time to vote, you know, I can take off my chief's hat and say, listen, I, I got to I've got to take this seriously and vote as honest as possible. You know, get, it, it's it, it's healthy. It's fair. You know, and you owe it to yourself and, you know, your followers, your viewers, readers, whatever. But I thought it was very interesting that comment about Aaron Rodgers and not wanting to vote for him for because he didn't like him personally. I was just curious what you thought of that when you heard that. Yeah. And, and I should say, I mean, I haven't, I haven't worked with Hub Arkush. I know that was the guy who did, has said that um, I haven't worked with him closely. I worked with his son a little bit and, and, and Hub obviously has been, you know, around forever. And I know he, he apologized for that and tried to maybe explain it. And um, it, I think said he was, he was, he was, he was wrong for saying it at least that a little out loud. Um, but, you know, he, yeah, I, I will say on the one hand, you're right. I mean, we all have biases and, you know, and sometimes it's hard to separate those. And honestly, sometimes I don't even work that hard to, to separate them. Um, yeah, I voted in the PFWA. You know, our deadline was today. Not only they just extended it, but I got mine in. 
Um, I actually finished mine on Sunday for the game. I just had a few more slots to fill out. Um, so that's what I did my, you know, about what, four o'clock, I was finishing up my, my, my voting. Um, so we've all, you know, uh, we've got different criteria that we vote on. Hey, I don't think that, that the personal things should matter that much, but then again, you know, we see it in baseball hall of fame, you know, voting. I, I it's been a factor in, uh, pro football hall of fame voting that, you know, personalities and, uh, personal opinions of, of people and how they've treated people and how they behaved over the years have played a factor. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, to me, everybody who has a vote can, you know, use their own criteria for determining how they want to, to spend it. And, and if they want to make their vote public and give reasons for it, I mean, they have to kind of stand behind it too. So, um, you know, I, I don't always put my ballot out mostly because, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's things on there that the way that we, you know, we do our voting, we vote for a lot of stuff on the PFWA. Yeah. And I'll readily admit that there's probably a couple of things I voted for that I'm not as well informed on as I should have been, um, you know, because we're, we're filling out a team that's all AFC, all NFC, you know, all pro, all yeah. rookie. And, you know, and some people even fill out the whole ballot. So, you know, I mean, it's a lot. So I, hey, like I said, I, I typically don't put mine out there just because, uh, you know, hey, I, I'll admit that there's probably some things that maybe I, I not fully informed on, but I, I figure, hey, you know what, it's, it's, I think it's probably a lot of those things are better off being private, but to each his own. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I did want to ask you, um, as a journalist, and I know you received a tweet about it this year, um, when the Chiefs got off to that wacky start, and they've certainly improved, and I do want to touch on that a little bit later on, but a lot of people, and I remember Sports Radio 810, um, because fans have been talking about it, and then I remember Nate Bucati had Sam Mellinger on, and he, he was talking about, hey, you know, the events leading up to the Super Bowl, you know, is that causing like people were very cautious about mentioning even specifically Andy Reid's son by name, Britt Reid. Um, but eventually it just came out, you know, people in the media started saying it. I even remember Petro was asking um, Tim Grunhardt and, you know, Bill Moss over at 610 even said, yeah, I mean, these things are distractions. They, they certainly can be playing an impact. And I know Mahomes was asked about his brother with the water bottle incident. I know the entire family keeps making headlines. His brother especially makes a lot of headlines. There was an incident with the uh, bar in Kansas City downtown. Uh, Tyron Matthews comment off the field on Instagram or Twitter, whatever that was. I'm just wondering, what is it like? Because I know people have been wanting you to ask those kinds of questions. Um what is it like covering the Chiefs team this year, knowing that there are these not just normal off the field issues, but involving family members too? Yeah, uh, I mean, everybody's got their their own rationale for the questions that they ask, and you know, and hey, for me, I, I will certainly ask some lighthearted questions. I mean, I like I sometimes like to do stories that are a little bit off the more beaten path. I mean, I'll be I'm, right now. I mean, the piece I'm writing right now, working on, it's about Nick Allegretti. Um, that was kind of a fun story that we had this week about his reaction to the touchdown and kind of what all went into that. And hey, you know what? Sometimes, you know, lighthearted stories, you know, make everything else a little bit easier in this business to do. So I certainly like those. Um, but, you know, to me, it's about the football. I mean, that's what most of the, the best work should be about. It's about the football. It's not about the personal stuff. It's not about those things. And I, to me, the only reason to ask Patrick Mahomes about his family or to ask Andy Reid about his family 
is if there's you know clear evidence and clear reporting to suggest that it's impacting play, that it affects the football. And, and I, I don't think that there's a case been made in either one of those and enough reporting and enough information, enough sourcing that I've been received to tell me that's a legitimate question to ask. And otherwise, you know, is that just a matter of you're looking to create conflict and you're looking to create drama? That's not what we're here for. I mean, we're not here to try and provoke people. And, and, and I think that the oftentimes, some, not often, I will say sometimes there are questions that sometimes get asked that I think are trying to do that, that they're trying to provoke a response. What we're trying to do is, is tell the truth, you know, to just get to the bottom of things. And, um, and if you don't have the justification to ask a question, then I don't think that you probably, sometimes you shouldn't. I mean, especially if it doesn't have anything to do with work. Um, all of us have different things in our lives that affect us. Do we get asked about that? Do, do, you know, do we get asked about how it affects our work? I mean, I, I've, I've lost people in my life. I mean, you know, my, my mom passed away a couple of years ago. That was the darkest thing that ever happened in my life. Yeah. Were people asking me if that was affecting my work and, you know, whether or not I should be stepping away. I mean, I was at the, the combine, you know, two weeks after my mom passed away and, and it was wrecking me. Uh, but, the, you know, are people asking me if I should be there and, you know, am I doing my job right? I mean, you know, you have to be a person. You have to be a human first in this job. And to me, that's that's the that's the first criteria I want to meet every single day in my job is just to be a person and to be a human. You know, you, you make an interesting point because I think, you know, I still remember when I first was getting into journalism, you know, you're so nervous to want to like ask these questions uh, and you're surrounded by you know, people who you read in the paper or you listen on the radio or watch on TV and you hear them ask these questions, you're like, man, I just want to ask a question just as good as theirs. But I thought, I thought you made a good point. I, you know, anyone, anyone who is wanting to get into this industry, you make it, I thought you really put it in good terms. You know, if you're going to ask a question, make sure, you know, you're, you're, you're justified in why you're asking it because whether it's sports or politics or whatever it is you're covering, you know, and I know politics is a crazy realm there, which we won't get into, but you got to you got to ask the right questions. Now, a lot of times what you think might be a good question or what I think is a good question or what someone else thinks is a good question. I think that can that there could be a debate there, I suppose. But I think for the most part, if you do, you know, think rationally, you'll you'll come away with thinking, OK, this is the right thing to ask. It's, it's not going to provoke anyone and it's, it's the coach or whoever is going to understand, Hey, it's absolutely a valid reason to ask that. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, and I, and I come from, you know, Hey, I wanted to be a journalist ever since I was a little kid. And I mean, I've, since I was eight years old. So, you know, and, and sports was, uh, was only a, a, it was my kind of one a dream. I mean, my, my first dream was just to be a journalist period. And, and if my life had gone differently, I probably would have been on the news side of things, maybe not even been in sports. Um, sports was still something that I, I always wanted to do. I mean, it was, it was, like I said, I could have gone either way. And I actually ended up taking a path that took me into public relations for a long time before I wound back into the journalism side and, and sports. So that's just another example of how these careers, as you know, Yep. Can take us in a lot of different directions. Um, but, you know, we're, we're for the most part driven into these jobs because we, we're curious. We want to know things. I mean, and we, we want to share those stories and tell them with other people. And to me, it, the context is the biggest part of it. I mean, if I were a political reporter or a news reporter, yeah, my questions are going and, and what I need to find out have a completely different tone. Um, but you know what, I, I thought it was a great piece of advice that I was given when I, when I started with Chiefs Digest back in 2016. 
and you know, as far as just how to do the job. And, and I had a colleague who just said to me, write about football. That's the most important part. And, and I think that's right. I mean, it's when we, I think, get outside of that and we try to start trying to bring different things into the game that, you know, that's not what we're here for. And I understand, you know, and there's certainly times when the story is bigger than the game, you know, that there are certainly social justice issues. There are certainly individual issues. There are unfortunately times when crime come into our, the world of football, Yeah, but you know, there's a, there's, there's a line and there's a way to handle those things. I mean, reporting about the, the challenges and what's going on with Frank Clark is not the same as reporting on what Frank Clark's doing on the field. And sometimes you have to be able to separate those two and, and you always have to cover them objectively, but you have to cover them differently. I mean, there's, there's not always the same way. It's not the same context. So to me, it's just, you know, using that judgment and, and trying to find the balance, you know, that's, that's appropriate to once again, like I said, just being human and just being a good and trying to be a good person every day. Yeah, for sure. For sure. A um, couple of questions about the chiefs on the field. Uh, let me just start with Travis Kelsey, because I think he's been very instrumental and I know the offense has not been consistent, but they've, they found a way to figure it out. I thought it was really cool seeing Kelsey get that touchdown pass and, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, on Sunday night, he had several, I mean, he did several things to put himself on the record, but one of them is uh, he ties the record with Dan Sorensen and um, the long snapper, James Winchester for most games he's appeared in, in a, in a chief's uniform in a, in, a, in the postseason, uh, but has more starts than any chief in, um in the history of the franchise in the postseason. Uh, he's got seven 100 yard receiving games in the playoffs. Only Jerry Rice has more than him. I, I mean, there were several, it was a banner night for Travis Kelsey. Uh, and it kind of just got me thinking like in 2009, when the chiefs traded, uh, Gonzalez, I was really bummed out about that. I, I'm sure you were too. A lot of people were, cause I thought you will never find another tight end like him. You just won't lo and behold, four years later, you draft Kelsey took him a couple of years. He obviously had the knee injury his rookie year, but man, um, I, I think I mean it this time when I say this, you will not see another tight end like Travis Kelsey. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on Travis Kelsey and everything he's accomplished um, so far in his career. Yeah. You know, to me, it's pretty remarkable because I was even thinking about that um, earlier that, you know, what was, I mean, there's been probably, there are probably a few different moments that Travis would consider maybe low moments in his career um, he had some moments on and off the field. I mean, and, and to his credit, I mean, it's never been an issue with Travis of, you know, poor behavior, illegal behavior. I mean, that's not what we've been talking about when we've been talking about Travis Kelsey and his maturity. It's always been, you know, just the, just the, be, you know, the, the behavior on the field. And I was thinking, you know, for all the grief that he got, and then remember it was after the Steelers game, if I'm not mistaken, when in the playoffs, when he made the comment about the, you know, these guys couldn't work at a footlocker. Yeah. Or in a, a blanket footlocker. Yeah, I remember that. And here it is after the, another Steelers playoff game and a win this time. And you get the great moment with his mom and everything. I mean, how far has Travis Kelsey come in six years? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just really remarkable to me. Um, you're right. I mean, Chiefs fans are in, in just incredibly lucky to have had both those guys. Um, it's unfortunate that, you know, Hey, if, if, if Tony, Tony Gonzalez had played for Andy Reid, he's never going to Atlanta. I mean, you know, that guy would have, would have stuck in Kansas city, you know, playing in playoff games his entire career. So timing can be a big part of it. She's right. I mean, it's incredibly lucky to have, you know, two guys like that. And, and I know, I mean, I've been covering now Travis since 2016 
And that's why I went, one of the things I wanted to ask him about was finally getting that touchdown because we've talked to him in the locker room plenty of times about how badly he wanted to be able to throw a touchdown pass. I mean, that was seriously something that he really, really wanted to do. And um, he was so bummed after that Giants game a couple of years ago when he threw that interception because oh, yeah. he figured that was it, that Andy was just never going to let him throw hey, another pass. That was a really good throw, by the way. I still remember that. Oh, I was like, wow. Any, anyone who has been to training camp and gotten to see you know, Travis and the quarterback challenge uh, when, they're, when he's throwing balls with the quarterbacks at the trash cans and the goalposts and everything, Travis has got an arm. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, hey, he's an old quarterback and he's never let go of the arm. But um, yeah, he wanted that so badly. So, I, to get it in a playoff game with his mom there, I mean, and with everything that he's kind of, you know, gone through over the years, that was a pretty cool moment to see. Yeah. I've got to ask you about this Bills game this weekend. Um, look, we saw what the Bills did to the Patriots, we also saw what the Chiefs did. Um, the Bills were able to do it from start to finish. The Chiefs kind of got off to a slow start. And look, I don't know what happened on the sidelines if something was said by Mahomes, Reed, Bienemy, whoever. That fumble woke them up. But here's my biggest concern, Matt. And I don't know how you feel about this. You cannot rely on a really crucial mistake to wake you up because. My biggest concern, and now for, listen, forget about what happened in October or September, whatever that first match was with the Bills, because a lot has happened since then. Um, both teams have been better. A lot there, they've improved, but you got to play nearly flawless football, in my opinion, if you want to beat the Bills. And listen, I'm not taking the Titans lightly. A lot of Chiefs fans, I feel like, are because if Derrick Henry is in his elite form, it will see. I'm not going to, you know, build buy into the hype yet. But if he is, man, this is going to be a very, very tough, probably the toughest path to the Super Bowl. Uh, but for now, you know, you can only worry about the Bills. What do you make of um, their uh, their approach going into this weekend? Yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. There's these two teams are not taking each other lightly. I mean, you can't take the Bills lightly after watching what they did to the Patriots. I mean, that's what makes that performance all the more impressive. I mean, is that. Um, honestly, I mean, looking at the last 12 games of the season, Patriots defense was right up there with the Chiefs as far as two best defenses in the league for the last three months. And, and if I can interject real quickly, a lot of people felt like before they lost three of their last four in the regular season, people said the Patriots were the most complete team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way that they had been playing and this is, I mean, this is Bill Belichick. I mean, it's his defense. And, yeah. and you look at, you know, the, the games between those two, two, two teams in the regular season. I mean, and one of those games, Patriots just absolutely ran right over the, the, the Buffalo Bills and just owned that game. Um, and then to see them, you know, flip the script completely and perform that well. I mean, you got to take that seriously. Now, you know, if, if the page, if the bills rather are, you know, looking at week five as an example of, Hey, this is what we can do to the chiefs. I think they're going to be sorry, but sort of mistaken because this is a completely different chiefs team. I mean, the yeah. lineup is different. The attitude is different. The way that they're playing is completely different. Um, and I, and I don't think, I mean, I, I, I think that the bills are going to take them seriously. I mean, I think that this is a situation where I think both coaches, um, I, honestly, I, I, I mean, I, to me, and this is probably going to be wrong, <laughs> maybe it's counterintuitive in today's NFL, but this is a game where I think, I mean, I think you're right. The team that makes the most mistakes and the defense that plays the best is probably going to win this game. And if that means testing your jabs early and, you know, maybe not taking the, the early risks, 
maybe that's the way to go to just, you know, figure out where you can beat these defenses because uh, one mistake is going to end it. Um, you know, one, if the Patriots don't turn over the football in the end zone on an interception, a great interception that the, that Hyde made, I think it was yeah. Hyde came from Hyde or Yeah, that was an incredible play. I mean, that was a game game changing play, and maybe that changes the entire thing. Um, and I will say this one quick note about the Chiefs' offense. I, you know, just going back and, and looking at those first few drives, how differently would you feel if you know Andy Reid had gone for it on that fourth and short at midfield? And how differently would we feel if, you know, T.J. Watt doesn't make a crazy play on, on that interception? Um, Chiefs could very well have scored on two of those first four drives that they ended up punting on. If they get two touchdowns on there, there and then they go on that, you know, stretch where they four, score on six more, I mean, they could have put 50 on the Steelers. I mean, they were that close. But once again, it comes down to mistakes. And the Chiefs can't turn over the football like that. They can't commit penalties that they've, they've made at bad times this year. Maybe they're going to have to go for it on the fourth and ones at midfield and take those chances. But I mean, to me, the team that makes the fewest mistakes and the defense that plays the best, I think, is going to win this game. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very tough path to the Super Bowl. And listen, assuming you advance, I mean, whoever you play in the AFC Championship, it's going to be another rematch, a team you lost to previously. So the Chiefs definitely trying to avenge those uh, losses. So I'm sure there's a lot of. Uh, bulletin board material there. Hey, Matt, uh, but before we go, uh, let everyone know, uh, how can they follow you, follow your work, and also uh, go and uh, plug your uh, your two books. I see you got them uh, right behind you. I have a copy <laughs> of those as well. Um, go ahead and share that if you would. I appreciate that. Yeah, you can always go to chiefsdigest.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Derrick. Um, I'm trying to do better about keeping my updates going on Facebook. You can find Chiefs Digest on Facebook too. Um, yeah, the, the book's behind me. And Patrick Mahomes Showtime out of print right now so you i know about the only way you can get it is the the digital version uh, maybe you can find a used copy out there um and then the championship book um at last from the, the chiefs uh, super bowl season um that's still available so you can if you want to relive that and have a memento of the chiefs championship hopefully that's a good one there's some great pictures in there i can't vouch for the words but pictures are fantastic <laughs> all right well hey great stuff matt uh hey Check him out. Uh, does great stuff for uh, Chiefs Digest and also on his uh, social media. Give him a follow. Uh, hey, it's really good talking to you as always, Matt. And uh, I'm sure we'll do this again down the road. Uh, you take care. Enjoy uh, covering the rest of the uh, postseason. Hopefully it's going to be a long postseason for you again. And uh, we'll keep in touch. We'll do this again down the road. Sounds great. I always have fun talking to you and always appreciate the your kindness. You're a very good dude. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Matt. That's very kind of you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of Farscast. Big thanks to Matt Derrick once again for joining us here on this episode of Farscast. Enjoy the divisional round. Hopefully a better weekend than wild card weekend. Other than that, I'll talk to you guys later. Take care. <laughs>